Awesome. Let's, let's quickly pray. Let's stay standing. Let's pray. God, we thank You that Your Word is a seed uh, that You plant and the soil is our hearts. So will You prepare our hearts for everything You want to do right now, especially Your Word as it goes out. We want it to be planted deep in our hearts so it can produce a harvest. We also want to um, yeah, position ourselves to experience everything You have for us, every bit of victory, direction, breakthrough and healing. So we now submit to You. We want to do Your will. We resist the devil. We thank You that he has to flee. Pray hedge of protection around us and our children. We pray that in this hedge of protection, you'd bring breakthrough, you'd minister to us, and you'd plant your word in our heart. We also pray for anyone who's non relation with you. We pray that you would knock on the door of their heart. You would draw them unto yourself so they can open up that door and receive you as their Savior. In Jesus' name. Everyone believe it said, Amen. Awesome. You guys can take your seats. Good morning, everyone. To all our new people, welcome, and I hope you grab your first cappuccino after the service or hot beverage, whatever you like, and that will be at the red banner as you walk out the door. Uh, we also got a photo booth, a Valentine's photo booth, so we have a bit of fun with it. Um, and this morning, we're launching our series, Better Together. So not only are we launching it by telling you about Valentine's Day, we're giving all the guys a heads up that you've got two days to get sorted. Just remember that. No excuses now. Um, but y'all, yeah, make the most of it. So Genesis 2 verse 18 says, it's not good for man to be alone. Of course, we see that's the first time God's actually negative in the Bible where He says that this will not be good for you. In the book of Proverbs, it says that you rage against all wisdom to isolate yourself. And in a world where the pace of life got faster, we are more connected on our devices, people are less connected relationally. And we're also seeing way more people are sad, lonely, and even depressed. But what we see is people being disconnected. And Scripture says you were never designed to be disconnected. You were designed for relationship. Chris Hodges says this, People may not remember the last five sermons that you have heard, but you'll remember the last five people that have connected um, that they have connected with. So people don't remember the last five messages, but they remember the last five people. And that's true for me. I remember people who've impacted my life, people I've got to know. Um, but who, who remembers the messages as much? Uh, what we learn from it is hopefully that we get better at messages. But, but that's not the lesson. The lesson is that people make the biggest difference. And in this room are actually the biggest difference makers, especially for the kingdom. You can make the biggest difference in God's kingdom because people remember you more than they'll remember my message. So you are actually the change that you should be sort of bringing into your world. You can hope better messages are preached and better worship songs are written and better church services are run, but you can forget that you are actually the person that can make the biggest impact on your street, in the row you're sitting in, in the place that you work at. You are still the number one tool that God wants to use to bring His kingdom forward. You're the church. The church is not a building. It's not an institution. The church is a family, um, a spiritual family that you belong to. You are the church. You know, even if this building sort of fell down, we could still be the church. We could still meet in homes. We could actually still come together 
And that's the power of the church. The church is a family. And once you give your life to Jesus, God actually baptizes you spiritually into His family. It's actually the first baptism that happens. It's a spiritual one where you get baptized into the family. The next step of obedience is a public declaration of your faith. It's where you actually declare publicly what's happened privately as you've received Jesus. In Acts 2 verse 41, it says, those who believed were baptized. That was a uh, physical baptism where they got baptized in water. The picture of the old being gone and the new has come. So, so it says, this is the picture of the church. Those who believed were baptized and added to the church. They joined with the other believers and committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. We know that's the Word of God. And to fellowship. They worshiped together regularly at the temple courts and met in small groups in homes. So they also had view groups. They met in small groups homes for communion and shared meals. Everyone who likes meals says, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. With great joy and thankfulness. So what we see is if you look at the Scripture... What's the definition of the church? A church is a group of baptized believers who are joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill the purpose that God has for their life. We see Scripture says, don't neglect meeting together. Encourage one another. And that's the church. We, we've been put into a spiritual family as we've received Christ. So I want to encourage you, God doesn't want you just to attend the church he actually wants you to see that you belong to a church family. That's what God wants you to belong, not to just attend. You might go, Andre, well, if I attend the church, well, if I belong to the church, what difference does it make? Well, here's some things I need you to understand about the church. The church is the most important group on earth. You might say that sounds arrogant. But the first thing I want you to understand is it's God's family. The church is God's family. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. When you and I receive Jesus, we become members of God's family. And that's why it's, that's why it's so important to become part of God's family. Number two, it's the reason God created the universe. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, long ago, even before He made the world, God chose us to be His very own through what Jesus would do for us. So before He created the world, God chose us to be His very own. Through who? Jesus. And I just mentioned, as we receive Jesus, we become part of God's family. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family. His unchanging plan has always been His plan. Before any other plan came to be, before God created the world, He decided that we would be His family. And what did I say His family is? His family is the church. So everything else came after that. Your experience that you have in this life is on the back end of God's plan to have you part of His family. Everything you're grateful for, even living in Cape Town, the sun sets us, we've had incredible weather. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to show you a bit too hot. Thank you for a bit of a cooler weather. But these are all the things we experience in the back end of your original thought is that we are part of God's family and everything else was created because God decided He wants to have a relationship with us that we should be part of His family. So the church is very important. Number three, God is using His church 
for His eternal purpose. That's God's plan. He hasn't got a plan B. God's plan for His eternal purpose is the church. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifest wisdom of God should be made known to all the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says, Through Christians like yourselves, Gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. God's plan to fulfill His eternal purpose is He's going to use the church, this church. You are the church. You've been born again and God's placed you in a family. The fourth reason the church is important, Jesus laid down His life, um, laid down His life, he, Jesus laid His life down for His Church. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He died so that he could give the church to himself like a bride in all her beauty. He died so that the church could be pure and without fault. If you want to know the value of anything, you have to look at the price people are willing to pay for it. We see that God says His church is the most valuable thing on the planet. He will lay His life down for it. And who is the church? We're the church. His people are the church. You are the church. You are valuable enough for Him to lay His life down for it. And we see now the value of this meeting, the spiritual family. Number five, it's the only thing on earth that will last forever. Ephesians 3 verse 21 Glory will belong to God in His church and, Christ, and in Christ Jesus for all time and eternity. So glory will belong to God in His church and in Christ Jesus for all time and eternity. What an awesome thought that God's church will last forever. One day we'll be worshiping as a church family in eternity. The sixth reason His church is important, it's the only group Jesus said would succeed. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says, I will build my church. Who the church? What's the church? We're the church. The church is a spiritual family. And he will build his spiritual family. I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. You know, a lot of times we look at how's the building going? Uh, where's this play? Where, how's the church going? We don't, the institution. But we forget that it's the people. The church grows as the people grow. If you grow the church, you'll always be committed to growing people. And God says He will build His church. If God is building His church, guess who He's building? He's building His people. And you will succeed. And it's the only guarantee of success we have on this planet from heaven. It's the church being built and you are the church. Number seven, it's the only gr group big enough to solve global problems. There's about, uh, it's over 2.2 billion Christians, and, and, then, and that's a 2018 stat. So the church has carried on growing. It's the only institution, and I'm saying the church is, what I mean by that is we've got a, uh, we've got a branch on every corner, eh? all around the planet, the church of Jesus Christ. It's the only group of people that can actually, if we link hands, solve the world's problems. 
the, the hunger uh, that people are experiencing. Um, all the world's problems. If the church comes together, that's why I want to encourage you, don't speak churches down. I get it, churches aren't perfect. Why? Because we're involved in them. Imperfect people are involved in the church. If you do find the perfect church, my advice, and you always hear it, is don't join it because you're going to ruin it because you are not perfect. And now you go, that's the perfect church. Then you go there and you think, why is this church not perfect anymore? Because you joined it. But if you can understand that the church isn't perfect and it's made up of imperfect people, then you can join the church because then you're going to like stop. Because you, you're looking, you're not looking for the church then. If you're looking for the perfect church, you're not looking for the church because the church is made up of people. But what I'm trying to say is stop speaking the church down. Pray for the church. Pray for the unity in the church. You know, you'll hear us. We pray. We want all the church in this community to get stronger. We want all the leadership in the church in this community, all the core groups. I always think, like when I hear people speak about the church, you're speaking about God's bride. And since when do we become, how arrogant for us to think that we have got the inside lane. You know, like I always think, I might get it wrong. Please help me, Jesus. I want to serve you. And somebody goes, oh, did you see that church? I'm like, well, maybe they're getting it right. Maybe we get to heaven and everyone says, okay, everyone on this side, you all got it wrong and, and they got it right. That church you spoke about the whole time. Like, just get over it. It's not, like, we're not perfect, but we need God. And we pray for the church. We need the church to flourish in this country. The church flourishes in this country, it will change this country. You know, I've been praying since the beginning of the year. I'm trusting that the church in the next 10 years will be 10 times bigger in South Africa. Well, how does that happen? I'm going to have to pray for the church next door, across the road, down the street. Pray that they flourish, their families flourish, their leaders grow, that their car parks are full. When is it a blessing if we're full and other churches are empty? That's the dumbest thought ever. We're not winning then. We're just in competition. The only one winning is Satan. He goes, awesome, those churches are fighting again. You see on social media. Listen, we see documentaries currently, even on DSTV of churches. Churches aren't perfect, remember? And then people, oh, watch that. I've always known that they were. Oh, please. That's the only one who's celebrating is the devil. I'm not saying... Those things, people shouldn't be held accountable. Don't hear what I'm not saying. There needs, to be, uh, there needs to be leadership. There needs to be accountability. We need that. But we don't win when the church goes backwards. When you see a church struggling, our job, we pray for that church. We pray it gets healthier. We pray it gets strong accountability, leadership. That the right men and women rise up. We pray for the church. We pray because God's church, we're the church. We're the church. And you know what? At some point, we're going to need prayer as well. So let's sow it today because we might need it tomorrow. Let's be, not become arrogant and think we're the bee's knees and we're just the greatest on the planet. No, no, no. It's by God's grace we're doing this. By God's grace that we're doing it. Number eight, the greatest privilege in life is to be part of God's church. You say, how can you say that? Well, 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we can now, uh, so that we are now members of God's own family. God's given us the privilege. 
You go, Andre, that's not my opinion. Well, that is God's opinion. That's God's Word. And if you can see that, I believe God can wake you up to the privilege. You know, I always think, God, if you would let me, by your grace, let me serve in your house all the days of my life. And even better, let me serve in this house. Let me serve as we plant churches. Like, I would love to look back, by God's grace, and and still be here serving, equipping people, handing over to the next group of leaders. I would love to. It'd It'd be awesome. Why? Well, even that time when I came into this church when I was 17, I still feel the same way. What a privilege that I get to come here. Yes, at the front end, I came for coffee and girls. Then I met Jesus. And I came for re-coffee. You know what I mean? Like, I was in need. I was totally unsafe. You know what I mean? Now, my standards have grown. I would have even drank coffee haste. You know what I mean? I, I, was, uh, I was down and out. But when I came here, I loved it. And I still love it. I still come here and I go, I can't believe I get to come to your house. And I am actually one of your children. I'm in your house. It's a great privilege. Thank you, Jesus, that I get to be part of your family. Listen, you might have made mistakes. But the only way you got into your family was by His grace. So to stay part of it, you'll still need His grace. Thank God for His grace. When have you ever deserved to be part of this family? The only way we got in was acknowledging that we can't do it, but He can. God, you can save me. You're a good father. This is a great privilege to be part of your church. That's why I encourage you. The church is eternal. There's so many temporary things you can do on Sunday. There are many temporary things you can do on Sunday. But don't downplay the opportunity to be in the eternal church on Sunday. Get into the church. What a blessing. I'm going to give you four things, four benefits to end. Benefits of belonging to a church family. Number one, it will help me focus on God. In isolation, you will struggle to focus on God. Why? Because there's stress in life. We live in an information age. There's more than enough stress to distract you. And, and you and I know that. We, we have to go, there's more than enough stress and bad news to distract me. I'm not going to live with my head in the sand. I'm going to know what's happening. But in church, there's a blessing to focus on God. There's a community. There's a, there's power, powerfully, my eyes get lifted to where my help comes from. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, let's not give up, let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. Of course, we, we know as we get bigger, we also need to get smaller. That's why we have groups, view groups. 
You're going to learn in a row, but you're actually going to grow in a circle. You're going to encourage one another. You're going to get to to learn and speak. You you learn more when you talk about what you're learning than just when you're listening. That's what group life does. You get to pray together. You get to talk. Of course, even as we come together, as you focus on God, you will find that your problems get smaller because you are putting them in the right place. When you put God in his rightful place, you'll see your problems are way smaller. But when you don't magnify God, you will use that ability to magnify and you'll do it on your problems and you'll magnify them. But as a church family, even in this moment, I'm reminding you that the church is eternal. It's a great privilege to be part of his church. We're here by his grace. He saved us. God is in control. He's not made a mistake. He knows what he's doing. I'm magnifying the truth about God. And all of a sudden, that temporary problem becomes way smaller. I'm not saying you're not going to deal with your problems. I'm just reminding you that in church, in a family, together, in relationship, in view groups, in community, you will find your faith will rise and your hope and your strength and there'll be wisdom to deal with these problems. So I encourage you to come together. Number two, it will help me face life's problems. Being part of a church family will help you face life's problems. Philippians 2 verse 4, look out for one another's interests, not just your own. The church is there to look out for others' interests. But I also want to say this. As you look out for others' interests, God will supernaturally change your life. I found the best thing I've done with my life is to be others-focused. It's the best thing because God, that's miracle territory. But to just be focused on my interest and my problems, I miss out on what God can do. God moves in the lives of people who are others focused. He does the miraculous. I believe it. Why? Because that's what He's done in my life. So I encourage you to come in to community, to be in church, to get into a view group and see how you will find strength to face your problems. Fellowship does help you to overcome. And generosity, in your generosity, you will start to overcome. And what I mean by that is when you go into a room, are you just self-focused or do you see people walking into a room? Do you see the need walking in? Some people just need an encouragement or somebody to be greeted or to be welcomed. But or are you always just reading the room based on what you're going through? Or are you others focused? Seeing other people walk in and going, what do they need, God? I promise you, God will start to do the miracles in your life as you are others focused. I believe it. I've seen it. But, but the promise of, of overcoming in community, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. So a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two back-to-back can overcome, can, can conquer. So clearly, relationships, community is God's answer to defeat. God's answer to being overcome is community. And the best way to get into community 
is to be a friend, to be outward focused. Because the Bible also says, if you want friends, you need to be a friend. You can't expect to read friendship standing in an unfriendly manner. You know what I mean? Let's see who greets me today. On the way, no one greeted me. <laughs> they were too scared to, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> to, to have friends, you need to be a friend, the Bible says. So we're outward looking. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10 says, If one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. Get into community. Get into a church. Get into relationship. Of course, there's a, another blessing of relationship. James 5 verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And listen, in groups, you'll find people you can trust. Don't just go walk around and go tell anyone. You need to find somebody you can trust. But the Bible says, as you confess your sins to that person, there's a healing that takes place. Yes, we understand. It's a relationship with God and a relationship with people. God's never going to bypass people in your healing process. He's not. He's not going to isolate you and have you experience everything He's got for you. It's always in community. So God saves you and by His grace, He brings people in your life so He can bring healing into your life. There's a healing that happens in relationships. A healing that happens in community. Number three, of course, in church, in relationship, in groups, it will help me strengthen, reinforce, and develop my faith. Strengthen, reinforce, and develop my faith. We say it, we learn roads, but we grow in circles. You know, there's a scripture in Proverbs says, the road of the wise is on an incline. And I mentioned the front end that, that it says to isolate yourself is to rage against all wisdom. The road of the wise and incline. I found sometimes I can feel like my life goes, like, you know, there's an up, there's a down. But what I've seen, because I've stayed part of a church family, is that my life's been on an incline. There's such a wisdom in staying in community, even when it's tough, to keep on being planted in a church, to keep meeting in groups there is an incline that you go on that's unstoppable it's the road of the wise I encourage you you're going to strengthen you're going to reinforce you're going to develop your faith number four will help me find my place to make a difference Romans 12 verse 4 says the Bible says just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function so it is with Christ's body of course what's Christ? we the church Christ's body we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. There's something supernatural that has happened in this church for me. God has connected my life to other people and we have all added so much to each other. There's so much that can be added to your life in a church. 
and you can also make a difference. The key is to make a difference with people who also want to make a difference. That's the key. You know why? Because you become like the people you spend time with. So you have to find a group of people who also want to make a difference. And you, there's such a momentum because I link my hands with your hand and you link it with somebody else. And we end up reaching way further than we'd ever do by ourselves. God uses our reach miraculously. We reach into nations. We reach into households that are hopeless. We reach into schools. Last year, we reached into a village that didn't have a church building and we built one. And the church became the only building in that community that actually had a fixed structure because the church is eternal. The church is the most important building in the community. That's the truth. It says, in the end times, God's church will be a temple that's at the highest point and the people will flock to it. And that's what we need to understand. That's the church. That's the church we're part of. A church that God's going to lift up in the end times. It will be the most important place in the community. So even when you drive past the church, you pray that blessing over the church. Thank you that you're going to use this church, God, this church and that church to be the most important place in the community. We need the church to flourish. We trust in that you would flourish. As you're part of the church, I believe you're going to rise up and you're going to start to make a difference. Why is this important? Because when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to ask you, what did you do with Jesus? Well, God's going to ask you, what did you do with my son? And you're going to say, well, I actually received this forgiveness. Or not. And then God's going to ask you, and what did you do with what I gave you? And hopefully we'll say, I used it to make a difference in your kingdom. I linked hands with other church members. I used it to reach further than I could ever reach by myself. When you were physically born, you were born, you were immediately part of the human race. We're all part of the human race. But when you receive Jesus, you become part of His family. And He spiritually places you in His church. I want to ask you if you've ever received Jesus as your Savior. And I want to say this. If you sense God drawing you to Himself, knocking on the door of your heart, if you even right now have this the sense that God is saying, receive my forgiveness. I want to remind you that He says He's faithful to finish what He starts. And if He's starting to draw you unto Himself, you can freely receive Him. Because I had a fear as I sensed that pulling that I would disappoint Him. But what I've experienced as I received this forgiveness, He's been faithful to take me on this journey. He's been faithful to help me remove shackles. He's put me in a family that's helped me to step into freedom and purpose. Don't downplay that sense you have right now of what God's doing in your life as He's drawing unto you, He's drawing you unto Himself. He wants to save you. He wants to change you. He wants to place you in His family and He wants to bring freedom into your life and then use your life to make a difference for eternity. That's what He's starting right now. You might think, well, what? that's a small start. God says He celebrates. The Scripture says He celebrates the start. 
because He knows where He, he will bring it to fruition. With every eye closed quickly, if that's you and you're sensing God knocking on the door of your heart and you've never ever asked Him to come into your life to forgive you of your sins, I want to encourage you this morning to receive the forgiveness that He wants to give you right now. The Bible says those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says as we confess that we're sinners, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And that in this moment we confess, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. And He forgives you. If that's you and you need to call on His name, just with every eye closed, I respect. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. If, if you're saying, Andre, I need to pray that prayer, why don't you pop your hand up quickly? So that's me. I actually want to receive Jesus. I know He's drawing me on salvation. I know today's the day I need to ask Him to forgive me of my sins so He can place me in His family. If that's you, just pop your hand up. Say, Andre, that's me. I don't want to miss out in this moment. Awesome. God bless you. Anyone else? Just pop your hand up. Say, that's me. Andre, I need to receive Jesus. Awesome. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, let's pray quickly. Jesus, let's pray as a church family. Jesus, I call on your name. Will you save me? I confess that I'm a sinner. Thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, I'm changed, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's just thank Jesus in this place. Can I ask, can I ask everyone just to look to your right and my left and and can I ask our team, they stand, their doors open. We've got a whole team. We've got men and women who can pray for you. If you gave your life to Jesus, you can make your way to our salvation room. If you need prayer in any way, you can make your way there. There's a room. Uh, we've got men and women who can pray with you. So why don't you do that? If you are new, if you want to grab your first hot beverage, cappuccino at the red banner. If you need to become part of a view group, you could do it online on our website. You, ta- you tap the more tab and it says view groups. Or you can go to the red banner. You can also use the next step card, the prayer card. If he wants to pray for you, you can fill out that card. Tonight, James Lucas will be preaching. So it's a double dip Sunday. Remember, people who go to church twice have a better chance to get to heaven. You don't want to take that chance. Anyway, God bless you guys.